Shopify grows your business no matter how far or big you grow. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. Whether you're selling your fans' next favorite shirt or an exclusive piece of podcast merch, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. Allbirds, Rothy's, Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash income, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash income now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Hi, everyone. I'm Deb Flaschenberg. Welcome to Yoga Birth Babies, a podcast produced by Prenatal Yoga Center. We will be diving into everything prenatal yoga, birth, and baby-related, hoping to inspire, educate, and empower you through your journey into motherhood. Thank you for listening. Hi, I'm Deb Flaschenberg. I'm your host of Yoga Birth Babies, and today we're talking about the fertility awareness method, and some people call that FAM. And what this is, it is a method to help you know the window in which you can conceive or the window in which if you don't want to conceive, you abstain. And there's just so much more to it. I'm just giving you the tip of the iceberg. And I have to admit, in Full disclosure, years ago when I was getting pregnant with my first child, I used a book called Taking Charge of Her Fertility, which is very similar to the FAM method, and I found it really, really helpful so that I could better understand my body. And as a yoga teacher, I appreciate learning to listen and really explore what's happening, and this methodology gives you that that insight into your body in a very deep way. I think you're going to enjoy that. So to have this conversation, I have Chloe... Skurlak, and let me tell you a little bit about her. So Chloe is a holistic reproductive health practitioner and full spectrum fertility awareness educator. She has some really great information and we talk all about cervical fluid and the position of your cervix and taking pictures of your cervix, taking your temperature. There's so much great stuff packed into this conversation. Before we get to that though, I just want to share a few things going on at PYC. So it is summer when I've been recording this, and that means we've started our outdoor classes again. It's my favorite that we can have that, and Ellen teaches them, and they're amazing. So if you're in New York City and you want to take class with us and you don't want to come inside, then you can head to Central Park, and we have the classes right at Strawberry Fields, so I hope you enjoy those. And of course, we do have our in-studio classes, our online classes, our on-demand classes, our hybrid classes. If you want to do yoga, prenatal yoga, postnatal yoga, we got you covered, so I'll see you on the mat. Now, I recognize that you may not be able to get to class all the time, so head to our website at prenatalyogacenter.com and grab our free downloadable five simple solutions to the most common pregnancy and or postpartum pains so that if you can't get a class in and your neck hurts or your back hurts, you can still take care of yourself. All right, last thing I want to talk about, we have our teacher training. So as of now, we're going to continue to do two classes in person a year and two classes online. We're going to continue just to look at how people are still enjoying online teaching. I have to say, 
I love it. I love that our teacher training has gotten so far beyond New York City that we have students that have taken our training all over the world. I also love just how we've been able to use Zoom to really still connect and create a community. So while I love my in-person classes, teacher training, I really also love the online. So if you want to take a deep dive into pre and postnatal yoga, this program will offer that to you. You can really make an impact in your students' lives. So we will inspire you to inspire change in your community. You can check that out at prenatalyogacenter.com. Okay, we're going to take a quick break and we come back. Please enjoy my conversation with Chloe. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hi, Chloe. How are you? Hi, I'm so good. I'm so happy to be here with you. Thank you. I'm really excited to talk about the fertility awareness method. I have a little experience with it. I did really poorly using it, but I'm really excited to to learn more about it. So thank you for sharing your knowledge. Well, thanks for having me. All right. So I guess we should get started with, I'd love to learn a little bit about you and how you got involved in the fertility awareness method. I always like to say that I started using the fertility awareness method for birth control, and now I stay for the body literacy. Mm. So it was um, in my early 20s, I was just looking for a hormone-free contraception. And I felt like at the time, and still to this day, trying to decide a way to prevent pregnancy is really just asking yourself, how do you like your hormones? You know, Do you like them in a pill, in a patch, in an IUD, in a shot, an implant? But I was... I was on the route for looking for a hormone-free contraception, and that's when I discovered the fertility awareness method. So let's break that down for people that don't know what this is. So in a nutshell, what is fertility awareness method? Also, some people call it FAM, I guess. Yeah, so also FAM, sure. So fertility awareness method is a method of contraception that relies on the person to identify their fertile and infertile times of their cycle and then to keep sperm out of the vagina during those fertile times. So I like to also distinguish the difference between fertility awareness, the method and fertility awareness, the practice, Mm -hmm. because I'm a full spectrum fertility awareness educator. So I teach a lot of people how to track their cycles for more reasons than just for contraception. So you can still have a fertility awareness practice in order to achieve pregnancy, for example, or just to gain better understanding of yourself and your health through paying attention to the changes and your change from fertile and infertile times throughout the cycle. All right. So, oh, I have so many questions now. All right. So I'm going to go with first, what are some of the other reasons besides pregnancy? And then you were saying learning about what are some of the signs, like what, what should we look for? What, what tells us we're fertile? So I guess first go into besides trying to conceive or preventing pregnancy. What are other reasons that someone may use FAM? Well, so of course to conceive. So knowing that we're only actually fertile six days per cycle, if you're trying to conceive, you want to know what days those are. So there's that, of course. 
Um, and alongside that, it also practicing fertility awareness and with a partner can improve your intimacy and communication with your partner. Um, by supporting your menstrual cycle, you're supporting ovulation, which is how we make the hormones that support our overall health. By paying attention to the changes in our cycle, we gain a better understanding of ourselves. So I like to say that I'm four different people in one, depending on which phase of my cycle I'm in. You can also learn how to support yourself cyclically. So whether that's the foods you eat, how you move your body, what you say yes or no to, depending on where you are in your cycle. And your cycle is your fifth vital sign. So by paying attention to your menstrual cycle, you can actually monitor and improve not only your reproductive health, but your overall health. That makes a lot of sense. So if someone was using this to get pregnant, and I know if we're looking at, and we'll talk a little bit about this in a bit, like cervical fluid and cervical position, and they're tra- they were tracking their cycle before they got pregnant, after they have a baby, it's, it's not so clear <laughs> when that cycle is going to start. So how soon after giving birth can someone realistically start using FAM as an effective form of pregnancy prevention? Yeah. So, I mean, typically I tell people, um, it should take at least three charted menstrual cycles before you want to rely on FAM as a contraception. But since when you're postpartum, it might take a long time. It can take you know, it can take three months, six months, 12 months before your cycles return. So when you're postpartum, what's really important is that you just take the time to learn your baseline first. So you have to learn your basic infertile pattern, and that can take about two to three weeks. And when I say your basic infertile pattern, I'm talking about your cervical mucus. So in a fertility awareness practice, there are three signs that you can chart. You can chart cervical mucus, basal body temperature, and cervical position. And I always say that cervical mucus is queen. So regardless of, you know, where you are in your reproductive life um, or where you are in your journey of fertility awareness, I always really recommend that people get in touch with their cervical mucus. But this is especially important for people postpartum because their being postpartum is going to um, make taking your temperature, for example, challenging. So you need to take at least two to three weeks to learn what is your baseline basic infertile pattern. Because being postpartum is going to come with some um, some differences. You're absolutely right than when you may have been charting prior to being pregnant and postpartum. So, for example, your cervix is going to be healing. So you might see like a little bit of maybe even sticky, cloudy, pasty mucus every single day because your cervix is taking time to heal. Or the fact that when you breastfeed, the suckling on the nipples is going to create arousal fluid. And so being able to know the difference between arousal fluid and cervical mucus is going to be another really important skill someone needs if they're going to be charting postpartum. So let's actually talk about charting because this is where I failed pretty badly um, with my charting. I, I First of all, I tried it on paper. I thought that'd be really cool. And I did really poorly on the temperature taking because I know like you're not supposed to, maybe I misunderstood it. Like you're not supposed to move and for a certain amount of time and like get up and pee. You have to have a certain amount of time laying down before taking your temperature. Can you go over the three components and in my mind, maybe I'm wrong. I, the three components were um, cervical position, f- mucus, and temperature. Was there more that I didn't grasp about it? Yeah. Okay. So the mucus, again, is number one. And very simply, when you see cervical mucus, you're fertile. So what you're going to do is you're going to consciously start wiping yourself in the bathroom. 
So when you go to the bathroom, before you use the bathroom and after, whether you're peeing or pooing, you want to make yourself a beautiful little cervical mucus canvas, which is just when you fold your toilet paper into a few squares and you wipe from front to back. You pay attention to what is the sensation you feel and what do you observe on your toilet paper and can you pick anything up? And if you feel a lubricative sensation when you wipe and or if you pick something up off of the toilet paper, you are fertile. So by paying attention to the changes in your cervical mucus pattern, someone could identify when they've entered their fertile time and when they've exited it. Now, that's the first thing. Now, the, the, the second one is temperature. So temperature is really helpful because it can confirm ovulation has, concert, has occurred. So this is really important. Temperature cannot predict when ovulation is coming. It has no predictive capacity. All it can do is it can say, yes, it's happened. And it does that because your temperature shifts after ovulation and it stays high for the remainder of your cycle. And when I'm saying temperature, I'm actually talking about your basal body temperature. So this is the temperature when you are at rest. So ideally you have five hours of undisturbed sleep, restful sleep. And so you wake up in the morning and you take your temperature. I actually recommend people use a glass thermometer for 10 minutes under their arm. And then you just chop that on a, on a graph, whether on paper or on an app, and you pay attention to it every single day. And eventually you'll see that shift. So that's the second one. Can I ask a question about that? So talk to me why you like the glass thermometer. I didn't under the arm. I hadn't known that. So I, because I'm the justice holistic reproductive health practitioner, when I review people's charts with them, most of my clients aren't just looking for a way to avoid or achieve pregnancy. They also want to understand their health better. Mm-hmm. So their basal body temperature, if you're getting an accurate reading of your BBT, then you can also... So not only, I should say, confirm ovulation, but you can also understand a bit about your thyroid health through your basal body temperature. And thyroid health is actually the number one disruptor in menstrual cycles. So if you have something going on in your menstrual cycle, that's one of the first things you want to look into. So what so would the temperature situation be? But what would the temperature look like if someone notices they have a pattern, they're looking at their, they're charting for pregnancy and they're like, oh, okay, there I'm noticing this is how long my cycle is. This is typically when my temperature spikes, they're starting to see their ovulation pattern. What would it look like if someone was having a thyroid problem and it was showing up as their temperature in their temperature taking? Mm -hmm. So now the first thing I have to say is this is of course just, um, curiosity, right? So we can't diagnose anyone off of a chart. It's just a, it's just an inference. Like "Mm, this is a suggest an indication that you should get your thyroid checked. And so pre ovulatory, if you take your temperature with a glass thermometer under your arm for 10 minutes, every morning, you would want your pre ovulatory temperatures to all be above 36.3 degrees Celsius. Okay. And then if they're seeing it differently, that could be an indicator below. Mm-hmm. If it's below 36.3 degrees Celsius, um, I usually know the Fahrenheit, but off the top of my head, I can't think of it. Okay. So we'll have to convert it. <laughs> but um, if it's consistently below 36.3 degrees Celsius, cycle after cycle, then this is an indication you want to get your thyroid checked. Yeah. See, I think that's so important because so many people have undiagnosed thyroid issues. And again, mm-hmm. we're not trying to diagnose, but how great to have an indicator that might say, hey, something's a little off. Let me take that next step to check that out. 
Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I've been, another nice thing too is when you're going to a doctor and you're getting your thyroid checked, right? They're looking for disease, but through your chart, we can just even see what's your suboptimal, Mm -hmm. right? So I've been charting for 10 years and throughout those 10 years, I've watched my temperatures um, kind of drop below that line and then rise above it again. And I've used it as a great feedback tool to know when I need to be giving my thyroid a lot of love. So I've never been diagnosed with like hypothyroidism, for example, but through the past 10 years, I've been able to um, pay attention to my thyroid health and make sure I'm supporting it, especially considering um, my mother and my grandmother both have thyroid issues. Oh, that's so interesting. All right. So we talked a little bit about <laughs> love to go with the mucus canvas. I love that. And then you're talking about, <laughs> that's what I get a kick out of. I'm like, I will never see toilet paper the same way again. <laughs> So we have our mucus canvas and we're looking at our mucus and then you're talking about temperature. Talk a little bit about cervical position. So then the final sign, and it's very optional. I would say most people just chart their mucus and their temperature, but an optional sign is your cervical position. So I use the acronym POT, P-O-T, position, opening, and texture. Those are the three ways that your cervix will change throughout your cycle and by paying attention to the changes in, in your position, opening, and texture of the cervix can just give you more information and help you feel more confident about where you are in your cycle. That's really okay. Yeah, I haven't, I will admit, I didn't do that part. I also have really long nails, so that would feel a little, <laughs> a little uncomfortable. So coming back a little bit to the cervical mucus, what effects would postpartum hormones have on cervical mucus? Right, so... When you're postpartum, um, especially if you're breastfeeding, the hormones prolactin and oxytocin are going to have a suppressive effect on your ovulation. So it's very normal for people charting postpartum to have these waves of cervical mucus. So meaning the cervical mucus comes and then it goes and then it comes and then it goes and these cervical mucus waves or fertile windows don't actually accompany ovulation. So that's something to expect when you're postpartum. Mm. And then it's really important again to find that basic infertile pattern when you're postpartum, because maybe if you're charting prior to uh, pregnancy, your experience was, you know, when you're infertile, you're dry. And when you're fertile, you see cervical mucus. But again, because your cervix is healing postpartum, because of um, the increase in arousal fluid from all of the suckling on the breast, these might change your observations and might make finding your basic infertile pattern a little bit trickier. Mm -hmm. So you want to take at least two to three weeks to pay attention to what's your basic infertile pattern before using the method as a contraception. So let's keep going on the idea of the breastfeeding because that's really fascinating. I was thinking about, as you're talking about the hormones, that makes total sense that when you are breastfeeding, the estrogen is lower. But I was also thinking about when someone's breastfeeding, at least this was my experience, that I wouldn't get five hours of restful sleep before having to take my temperature. So I'm assuming how does, how does someone still use the temperature situation if they were up either to use the bathroom or feed their baby because they're breastfeeding throughout the night? They don't. So they don't do their, so they don't do the temperature. So, so they take that, that's that why, key out. That's the cervical mucus is so important. Because typically postpartum people don't get those five hours of sleep. No. You're totally right. Yeah. So the temping is not that useful. Plus, because so many months can go past without 
an actual ovulation, this person might be taking their temperature every single day for like eight months before they see a shift, right? So some people just don't add temperature into their charting routine until they start cycling regularly again. Um, if you do though, if someone is like, no, I really want to make sure I catch that first ovulation and I see that shift, someone could start taking their temperature once they start seeing those, uh, fertile signs in their cervical mucus, or they could also use a temp drop. Have you heard of a temp drop before? No. What is that? So a temp drop is a wearable thermometer that you wear around your arm while you sleep. Now it's important to note that temp drop is a getting a nightly average temperature. So what it does is while you're wearing it, it takes thousands of temperatures throughout the night so that you don't need those five hours of sleep in order to see that shift. So doing this every single night and wearing it every single night and charting it, you will see the shift and you'll be able to confirm ovulation. That's what is so great about temp drop is it kind of rules out those disturbances, like getting up in the middle of the night to breastfeed or to attend you know, to attend a baby or a toddler or getting up in the middle of the night to pee or et cetera, et cetera. But a limitation to the temp drop is because it's not getting your accurate BBT, you can't use these temperatures to gain insight into your thyroid health or other like health about your metabolism. But if what you just want to see is that temperature shift to confirm ovulation, then it can be very helpful. Is it like a blood pressure cuff? I'm just trying to picture what it looks like. It's just like, it's just like a little armband that you wear around the upper version of your arm close to your armpit. And then there's this little, it almost looks like a teardrop and it just sits right underneath your arm, close to your armpit. And it's a thermometer. Huh. It just takes your temperature throughout the night. That is fascinating. I, <laughs> I love learning these so things. I should mention, actually, I should say that there are other really cool gadgets that people have now, but you, in order to see the shifts and confirm ovulation, we want um, something like the temp drop that's comes close up to our arm mm-hmm. and takes auxiliary temperatures. But like, for example, you have like those Ava bracelets or that, what is it called? Ura ring or oh, something. Oh, my friend has that. Yeah. She loves it. She yeah. tells her like everything. I know. So it can be, it's, it can be a super cool gadget. Just keep in mind if you are using those gadgets, those temperatures at your wrist or at your hand or your fingers, they're not accurate enough to confirm ovulation. Okay. So don't be using those temperatures for charting your menstrual cycle. Okay. Well, I'm finding this. I keep going back to the idea of the cervical, the cervical information. Um, okay. We're going to take a quick break. When we come back, I want to dive a little bit more into understanding the cervix because I'm just curious if that can also, when someone's pregnant, give them some information. If they're used to touching their cervix, could they then start to assess what's going on as they're pregnant? Okay. We're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Okay, we're back. So I keep coming back to the three things you kept saying, the cervical fluid, the cervical position, and the temperature. I feel like I get the cervical fluid. Now we have our our port, our, our canvas, and then we have the temperature, and I feel like I get that a little bit better. And then cervical positioning. So 
is this, and I could, I'm just kind of shooting off the top of my head. If someone has been checking their cervical position and they, they have a pretty good understanding of it, do you think that could be helpful as they are in later pregnancy to start to get a sense of how things are like if they're facing or thinning out. Cause I don't, I usually tell my students like, of course, own and have empowerment of your body, but most of us don't have the insight to recognize cervical change. Have you worked with pregnant folks that they're able to understand their own cervical change as they, as their body prepares for pregnancy? Oh, I'm so disappointed to tell you I haven't. Um, I have definitely had the similar questions as you. I haven't been pregnant myself. I haven't had children myself. Um, so I haven't had this experience myself and I've had a lot of pregnant people come to like my cervix portrait parties, for example, your your cervix, your cervical portrait parties. Tell me about that. (laughs) So I mean, when you start paying attention to your cervical mucus, you know, you got your cervical mucus canvas and you're yes. writing down your cervical mucus every single night. It's only natural to get really curious about where the heck is this stuff coming from? And so the cervix portrait party, we get together and we use speculums to open the vagina and actually view and adore our cervix and even take a photo of it. Huh. So it's been really cool to... Yeah, just witness people seeing their cervix for the first time to uh, even going on a website like the beautiful, or sorry, it's www.beautifulcervix.com. Onel has an amazing website where you can see people who've even taken photos of their cervix every single day throughout their cycle um, or even throughout pregnancy. So you can definitely go check that out. But I completely agree with you in that just imagine a person who is already that in touch with their cervix because they check their cervical position every night, for example, as part of their fertility awareness practice. And now they're pregnant and they can essentially be checking their own cervix. That is fascinating. I would, I I love learning new things. I never would have thought that. I I feel a little old. I'd never heard of a cervical portrait party, um, nor have I attended one. So that, so people end up with like a souvenir of their cervix, like a picture. So it's traditionally, I did the I did the party in person, so I would take the photo. But then during the pandemic, we couldn't be gathering anymore, and people kept sending me photos of their cervix over Instagram, That's and I was asking them like, "How are you taking this photo?" Because it's 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 a juggle. You have a hand mirror, you have a flashlight, you have a speculum, a camera, and they were like, "Yeah, I'm just taking it with my phone." So I called my best friend over and I said, "Bring your speculum, bring your camera." We're doing this ourselves and we just spent the afternoon taking photos of our own cervix. <laughs> and I said, yeah, I can do this. I can, I can guide someone through this online. So now I do the cervix portrait parties online. Oh my goodness. All right. So who would the fertility awareness method not be a good fit for and why? Mm, so that's a really great question. When you're considering, no matter where you are in your reproductive life, whether you're postpartum or not, things to consider is that it's going to take time to learn. And yeah, if you're postpartum and you have no reference point to what your menstrual cycle looks like, I could see how that would be challenging. So you want to be patient with yourself and really take time to get to know your body. This is going to require a daily commitment of observing and charting. So is that something that you are you know, willing to put in? And someone who uses FAM also needs to take full responsibility for their sexual actions and choices which means that you need clear communication with your supportive partner or partners 
and that it's going to require abstinence or proper use of barrier methods and or withdrawal during the fertile time. And something to consider postpartum is that since you're essentially stuck in your pre-ovulatory phase for months, and because you'll have these waves of mucus that come and go that don't accompany ovulation, you might be finding yourself identifying more fertile times than somebody who wasn't postpartum. So you have to be able to have something that you're comfortable with, whether again, it's abstaining, which is how you'll get the highest effectiveness of the method, or if you want to rely on the effectiveness of barrier methods and or withdrawal. And it also doesn't protect against STIs. Right. So those are some of the things definitely to consider when using the fertility awareness method. So do you have tracking apps? Again, I used paper because I, goodness, I'm really dating myself. There is a book that I got and I bet it's still, I think it's called Taking Charge of Fertility. So that's how I learned about this. And so they had paper charts, but do you recommend tracking apps or are there any actually that you don't recommend? Yeah, I've been tracking my cycle for 10 years and I have used paper every single cycle. So I am a paper charter myself. I loved charting I feel paper, so even when I I'm traveled. so glad to hear that. <laughs> yeah. Even I, I, I used to call myself a cycle savvy globetrotter because I was traveling and teaching a lot, especially when I first graduated from the Justice College. And people were like, oh, cool. You like ride your bike around the world? I'm like, no, the menstrual cycle. Not the... <laughs> anyway, it's so funny. But um, so I'm a paper charter at heart. But when people are learning to chart or when people are deciding to chart, I really want them to find a way where charting is fun and is a joyful experience and something that makes them want to chart. So if writing it on paper brings you joy, then do that. Um, or if using an app brings you joy or makes it easier and more convenient for you, then use an app. And there are hundreds and hundreds of different apps that you can use now. What you want to look for when choosing an app is number one, that it does not predict your fertile time. So you know your body better than anyone, better than any app. So you don't want the app to tell you when you're fertile. You want to be able to have the knowledge to know when you're fertile or not, and you're just using the app to record that information. Number two, you want your app to allow you to track your cervical mucus, your basal body temperature, and your cervical position. And even if you don't want to track all those three things, You'll know it's a good app if it allows you to track those three things. And lastly, you want an app that doesn't share your information with anyone. Mm. So the app that I play around with and recommend to all my clients is the Read Your Body app. And it's a fantastic app because not only does it all do all of those three things and more, uh, it was made by Fertility Awareness Charters for Fertility Awareness Charters. So it's a really fantastic app that allows you to chart all different kinds of fertility awareness methods as well. So FAM is just an umbrella term for many different kinds of methods. So even people who are charting with me and are charting the Just East method, their app looks like a Just East paper chart. It's incredible because it's so customizable. What is the Just East method compared? I guess I, I'm confused. I thought fertility awareness method was the three things we mentioned. And then, and now you're saying the Just East method. Can you explain that? Yeah. So the Justice method is a symptothermal method, which is similar to taking charge of your fertility. So Tony Weschler teaches a symptothermal method in that book. Mm -hmm. And the symptothermal method simply means that you're tracking the cervical mucus, the basal body temperature, and the cervical position. But there are actually many different kinds of methods. And so this is, I'm actually really glad that you asked that because if you're postpartum and you're seeing peak type mucus every single day, whether it's, you know, 
whether it's the arousal fluid that's confusing you or your cervix is still healing, or maybe your hormones are imbalanced and you're experiencing like an excess estrogen situation, your cervical mucus is telling you that you're fertile every single day. And that's not true, but you're going to have to consider yourself fertile every single day if you can't unpack the fertile from the infertile time. So the symptothermal method, especially given that temperature is not going to be very useful for you until you start ovulating regularly again, it's symptothermal method is going to be challenging. So instead, using a symptohormonal method might be better. So an example of a symptohormonal method is the Marquette method. And the Marquette method adds hormone, um, urinary hormone metabolites. So they use the clear blue fertility monitor where you pee on a stick first thing in the morning, and they use that information to identify when your estrogen levels are rising or when you have an LH surge to let you know when you've entered your fertile time and you're close to ovulation. Mm. Okay. Yeah. I didn't know that whole final step. That's really, oh, it's so interesting. So are there any other tips for postpartum folks who want to try the FAM method or for those that are excited to use this for conception? Yeah, for sure. Work with an educator. So you don't have to do it by yourself. Seek help. Work with a fertility awareness educator so that you can help establish your basic infertile patterns. You can learn, you know, all the biomarkers that you want to use to chart. You can learn, you know, the different kinds of fertility awareness methods like symptohormonal methods or symptothermal methods. And you can feel confident in achieving your intentions to use the method. Mm. And find some friends who will chart with you. That's always (laughs) fun. All right, we're going to take another break. When we come back, what is one final tip or piece of advice you'd like to offer new or expectant parents? We'll be right back. Okay, we are back. So is there any final tip or piece of advice you'd like to share with new or expectant parents? Mm. A tip or piece of advice I'd love to offer is simply to listen to and trust your body. That's great. Yes. I say that all the time in, in prenatal yoga and postnatal because actually I had a whole conversation with one of my students about the idea of listening and hearing. Are we actually hearing what our body's saying? Are we, do we have that ability to listen? So I feel like so much of what you've talked about really involves not just seeing, but really taking in and really hearing what our body is telling us, using that information to then take a step further. So I really, I really appreciate that. Yeah. I feel very grateful that I learned the fertility awareness method in my early twenties and that I've had a decade under my belt to, um, sharpen my skills of listening, hearing, and trusting my body and my signs of fertility and, I wish that for everyone. Where can people find your work? So my name, Chloe Skurlach. You just put that in Google or whatever. You'll find me. <laughs> my website is chloeskerlach.com. That's C-H-L-O-E-S-K-E-R-L-A-K. I love to play on Instagram. Instagram is my playground. So it's just at Chloe Skurlach. And you'll find a lot of fun videos and reels. and A lot of services. On cervix, cervixes cervical mucus, um, ways to use your menstrual blood and just tips on charting. I'm also on Facebook. I also have a YouTube channel and yeah. So connect. I'd love to, I'd love to 
talk to people. I offer free 30 minute online consultations for anyone who wants to discuss more. If the fertility awareness method is for them. I also offer period positivity workshops. Like I said, I'm a full spectrum fertility awareness educator. So I teach from menarche to menopause. So I teach period positivity workshops. I also offer perimenopause workshops and like I said, who wouldn't want a picture of their cervix? So I do the cervix virtual <laughs> <of> parties. <laughs> I'm curious. So listeners, just shoot me and you can either throw me a DM or when this gets posted, leave a comment. But how many of you are now going to look at your toilet paper in a whole new way? I cannot get that out of my head. I <laughs> No more accosting your vulvas with those crunched up, scrunched up pieces of toilet paper. No, you want to fold it into a nice, beautiful square and make it into a beautiful cervical canvas. And then explore. I I love this. I'm really, I actually, (laughs) that just tickles me. Um, So listeners, shoot me a DM or leave a comment when you see this posted about your new relationship with your toilet paper and your cervix and your fluid because I, I, again, I keep coming back to, I love new things, but I do because it teaches us how to trust our body. And for those that are pregnant, where sometimes we feel like we don't always trust the situation or the process or birth, this is just another layer to get to trust and know ourselves. So I'm really appreciative. We had a chance to talk. Thank you so much, Chloe. Me too. Thanks so much for having me, Deb. This was great. This has been an episode of Yoga Birth Babies, produced by Prenatal Yoga Center. You can catch us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and Periscope. I'm Deb Flaschenberg. Thanks for listening.